Tim Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on the Wire. Well, as we head into the holidays, I've been thinking a lot about how I'll uh, spend my time off, you know, and usually I like to read and write as much as I can. I imagine I'll still do some of that uh, this time around, but I also feel like I'd like to use the end of this year as a way to reflect on all the loved ones that uh, many of us have lost uh, to COVID over the past, well, two years now. Um, but but uh, particularly some of the relatives that I've lost uh, most recently in a period of the last, uh, well, in a period of two weeks, um, I actually lost two cousins to COVID. Uh, one of them, one of them uh, was a cousin that I actually grew up with and had a lot of influence. He had a lot of influence on me when we were growing up, um, so much so that I ended up basing a character on him in my first novel, Breathing in Dust, which came out in 2010. Um, and, uh, you know, I wrote a lot of those stories based on stories he told me, but also sto just stories about him uh, growing up with him. Um, it was a coming-of-age novel, so it felt appropriate. And uh, I'll never forget that when the book was getting ready for publication, I had asked him if he wanted me to change his name in the book, and he said, no, are you kidding? I'm finally in a book. I want everyone to know that that's based on me. <laughs> so, so his name appears in my book as he really is. His name is Art Arturo, uh, Art Garcia. Uh, and uh, I'd like to dedicate this show to my cousin, to my primo, uh, Arturo, my cousin Art, who was truly one of the best storytellers I've ever known. And, um, you know, I realize that this is one of the great perks, I think, of being a writer or storyteller, is that we get to honor our relatives and friends in the stories and poems that we write and share. So, you know, it gives us a chance to, to say their names, you know, uh, when they're alive and when they're past when they've passed into the next realm. And I hope that during the holidays, you'll get to speak the names of some of your relatives, relatives who are both living and, and gone, um, and honor them by sharing their stories, sharing stories of them and with them uh, whenever possible. And honor yourselves too, you know, for, for living, for, for being alive and having that experience with them. Um, all of this to say that, it, well, this brings me to today's guest who has honored her own experiences of growing up and her family and community in her new book. Today we'll be speaking with poet and novelist Sonia Gutierrez about her novel, Dreaming with Mariposas. It's out with Flower Song Press. It's a fantastic debut novel. It's already drawn comparisons to the work of Sandra Cisneros and Tomas Rivera, the great Tomas Rivera. Sonia is also a professor of critical thinking, women and gender studies, and she is an editor based in California. We invite you to join us as we speak with author Sonia Gutierrez. That's coming up right now on Words on a Wire. Sonia, welcome to Words on a Wire. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you for this invitation. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And like I was um, getting ready to tell you a little while ago that, you know, um, your book, uh, Dreaming with Mariposas, it landed on my radar. Um, it came out last year, right? Like early last year? Uh, 2020, and it was published December 14th. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It came out in 2020. It's a baby. Yeah, it is. It's brand new. I'm, I'm excited to talk with you about it. Um, but when it came out, um, or at least even some of the earlier promo for it, I remember seeing it earlier than, than December, uh, I mean, way back. And, and I was excited about it, hearing, just hearing about it. And also a little familiar with who you were and some of your work as well. And um, in your previous book of poetry, I believe, Spider Woman, 
And so I was like, oh, okay. And it's one of those books for me that this happens. And I kind of learned to, I've learned to adjust and to also recognize it in advance that a book will land on my radar at some point in my life. And then even if I don't make an effort to get it, I know it's going to come upon my like, you know, it's going to end up in my life at some point. I know it will. And that's what happened with your book. It was like, yes, now is the opportunity. Now is the time. So I'm happy to finally get to talk with you. Thank you so much. Likewise. So you're calling, are you, uh, you're calling me from San Diego? Is that where you're at right now? Is that where you live? I'm in Escondido. So that would be like North County, San okay. Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those of us outside of it, we just, you know, we tend to group it all together, but I know it's, it's, it's quite a far, it's quite a bit of ways there as well. But uh, I'm about, place. let's see, Tim, I'm about, I want to say like 50 minutes uh, from Tijuana, from just Tijuana. to give you an idea. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, well, let's talk about your book, Dreaming with Mariposas. You know, first, it's a great title. I love the title. It's, it's compelling, you know, makes you want to open it. Obviously it's a beautiful dreamy title, which really is, I think, uh, you know, encompasses what the book is about as well. Um, I'm going to tell you, I mean, I'll tell our listeners, you know, the book is, it's about two sisters. um, And they're basically, it's about their experience growing up, their life growing up with their family and their own dreams and how they're sort of, their obstacles along the way for the family as well. Um, And the characters, the main characters are Paloma and and Sofia or Chofi. Tell me, how would you describe the book for our listeners? Is that, is that kind of an accurate depiction or? Yes, of course. It's a it's a book about a family. Uh, I would say um, that I think I also want to call it multi narrative. Mm-hmm. So there's moments mm-hmm. where um, Paloma is is a narrator. There's moments where Tia Alicia is a narrator. But for the most part, you see um, you see Chofi and yeah. she's uh, sharing what she shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of the central character in all of this, and and. Um, when I received the book, and I don't recall seeing anything on the jacket as well that 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 says it's a young adult novel. Um, it's it's so I approached it and read it as an adult novel, and it absolutely is. But it's also a kind of a novel that could be, uh, you know, given to teenagers in high school, and you know, as as well. Was that kind of the reader you had in mind when you wrote this, or? I don't know how it is for you, Tim, but I'm that type that type of person that thinks that. Um, I want my book to be for everybody, mm-hmm. right? So then, you know, I think, and then, pe- you know, people want to know, well, you know, who's your audience? Who's your audience? Well, I want it to be everybody. Uh, however, I think, I think you're right, right? Young adult, I think um, teenagers can, can connect. I've had um, people that ask me if, if it's okay if they ch- uh, share it with children. And then I say, oh, wait a minute. I, I think you should read it first yeah. and then you can share it with your child. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Depending on, you know, the maturity level of your child or the age and that kind of the experience level of, of them. Um, yeah, I have a 17 year old and a 13 year old. And um, I, this would be a book I would share with them both. Yeah, you know, um, I, I give them a lot of young adult books and I also give them a lot of adult books. Uh, and we have conversations and we read the books sometimes together or they'll read it after. But absolutely. And I think it's a kind of a book that really should be shared with uh, well, with all people, like you said, for all the reasons, but, but, but particularly, I think it'd be great to share with young adults because of, you know, that ability that, well, for one, the intimacy level of the stories, you know, you really, you really do bring out, I think, what it is to be a young adult growing up in this country, uh, you know, s- struggling and overcoming obstacles like the family does here. 
Um, and I think that I know my children particularly would appreciate seeing their own, I think, experiences reflected in a book like this, you know, so kudos to you for all that. Thank you. Yeah. How long have you been working? How long were you working on this book? Because I know before this, you wrote a book of poetry. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. But how long were you working on this book? Well, this one took me a long time, Tim. I started writing it and I think it was like 2007 or 2008. Wow. Um, my my firstborn, because I know we, we both have 13 year olds. Yeah. And I was I had my um, my Quetzal. Um, mm. First name is um, Sonia Quetzali. Uh, Conceta, um, but my Quetzal um, was born, and I, you know, family went to sleep, and I think as writers we have that urge to write, and and then it took me thirteen years. But you know what, Tim? It was thirteen years, but uh, I think when we count the time that I actually wrote it, I think it was four years. So what happens is that um, I I lost the USB. Um, I didn't write it for like I didn't work on it for like two years and and you know all that that goes with being a professor and a family. It's like for me, it, writing is something that I love. That poetry would come more naturally to me, but with um, with writing a novel, Tim, I didn't go through an MFA program, so I just learned how to write at twenty five, and then I took on this challenge of writing this book that I thought I could write and I could imagine. And that's why it took so long, 13 years. Right. Wow. Yeah. No, absolutely. I get it. I do. Um, and, you know, uh, I think similarly, uh, I came from poetry originally, too. Uh, that's my first love and, and probably my forever love is poetry, you know. Um, and, and it took me about 10 years to figure out how to transition from writing poetry into prose because it you know, as you know, it functions differently. It moves differently than poetry. For me, poetry felt very instinctual. I could just, I could, I could put idea after idea. I can leapfrog from idea to idea. I didn't have to, you know, um, create trends. There was none of that. It was just, it was such a different, um, I think, cre creature than, than prose. And it took a long time for me to understand that in prose, I had to write a complete sentence. <laughs> you know, uh, did you struggle with any of that? You know, uh, that, well, okay, I, I knew what poetry looked like because at 25, well, I didn't know I was writing poetry. I came to poetry um, out of uh, poverty. So mm. that means that I couldn't afford uh, gifts. I couldn't afford a Mother's Day gift, a Father's Day gift, a gift for my, my best friend. And then um, something in me told me, you don't have money, like you're, you're like a young student, but you have words. Um, but it almost felt like it was meaningless, like to be able to write something because my parents were illiterate. So even though I, would, I could produce a poem, they couldn't read it. So I had a brilliant idea, Tim. So um, I went to Pick and Save and I bought these like very nice frames and I would write out the poem, think about the font and the color and, and the paper, and then I would match it up with a beautiful frame. And so that's how I learned to write poetry. It was out of necessity. Um, so mom got a, got a gift, dad got a gift, my best friend got a gift. So I was writing poetry. I felt like I knew, like it had been modeled for me. I saw the poetry of Federico Garcia Lorca. 
I saw este Pablo Neruda, um, and I and I it could it it was so obvious like the the style and structure, and I I could do it, but I didn't know I was writing poetry. So when I was 25, I was selected to go teach in Spain, and I would carry um, this little folder that like I did a collage on it, and and then um, somebody came across it and said, oh, like, it's, she's a poet and kind of like said it like jokingly, like, mm -hmm. like kind of making fun. And mm -hmm. so then a, a little group kind of got around the folder and said, look, you know, she's a poet. And, and then I, they said the word, they said, she's a poet. This, this is poetry. And that's all I needed. I just needed to, for somebody to say that you're writing poetry. And I just kept doing it and I kept doing it and doing it. And I was in graduate school and um, I, I read through the requirements of my master's. I thought I was gonna do like a long research paper. And then all of a sudden I noticed that it said like poetry collection. And then I thought, fuck, like I came back from Spain. I read that and I was like, I have these poems. I think I can, I can do like a, a poetry um, collection. <clears throat> so, and then my committee, they said, well, you know, you need three people, but I think that for you, we're going to need four people. Um, so the fourth person was um, Dr. Silvia Rolleriseto. She was from Spanish because I was bilingual. So they invited somebody from, from the Spanish department. Mm -hmm. While I was in graduate school, I had to take um, two courses that were creative writing, and I was the poet. And there was uh, prose writers in my class working on novels, working on uh, short stories. And I looked at their craft and Tim, like I remember <clears throat> wishing that I could write like them, but I couldn't do it. And I, I wish I could remember his name. There was a, um, a white guy in our class. Well, most of my, my classmates were white. Um, and so then I told him one, one day, like, I, I, I love what you, what you all do and I wish I could do it. And he told me, Sonia, if you want to do it, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be able to do it. And I was just like, yeah, that's impossible. Yeah. So luckily, um, just to finish that thought, I'm sorry. Um, I, uh, I, I was, I had my literary predecessors, uh, Tomás Rivera and Sandra Cisneros. And, and then I was like, okay, if Cisneros and Rivera are poets and they can write prose, then I can do it. And that's when it was born with, with looking through the doorway um, and just looking at my grandmother and never really having grandparents right. and imagining these people because they weren't part of my life. And right. then also the teaching, you know, you're teaching your students to write these brilliant narratives. My, my idea, my philosophy is teach them to write like writers, not a template. And so then they were producing these beautiful works and I'm like, like, what am I going to leave behind? And that's when, when Kissing Dreams from a Distance was born, which later became Dreaming with Mariposas. Irene Lara Silva was reading it and said, Sonia, I can't, I, you know, she told me, I think, you know, you have a dead title. And then she told me, you know what? I think it's Dreaming with Butterflies. And I was like, Dreaming with, but with Mariposas because I don't like the sound of butterflies. <laughs> And that's, that's how that happened. A great move. I think that was yeah. a decision. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, um, can you, would you mind reading us an excerpt for the listeners out there? Get a little taste oh, of it. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, 
So I usually read the one about my abuelita, but I think I read it every single time. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do something um, new for Tim. Nice. All right. Great. Okay, here we go. Alicia and the Company of Men. La cruz, la no pesa lo que cala. Son los filos, cariño santo, cariño santo. Lucha Villa, bala perdida. As well as telling stories and dancing, Tia Alicia also sang her grief away. After her hair got entangled in sadness, without a guitar to accompany her singing, when Tia Alicia's vocal cords struck, she echoed a block away. At family gatherings, her brava voice filled our backyard in San Marcos and brought out the mariachi howl in us. In between songs with thunder and lightning coming from her throat, Tia Alicia, father's sister, hollered, Y muévanse, cabrones, porque si no, no empieza la revolución. But that didn't happen until Uncle Carlos died. Wow. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we're speaking with the novelist Sonia Gutierrez about her debut novel, Dreaming with Mariposas. It's out with Flower Song Press. Uh, how was it working with that press? I know that they're kind of a new press, but they've been they've been really uh, just putting a lot of wonderful upcoming voices out there. You know, how has that been? Yeah, it's you know it's been really good to be part of a, a wonderful family. So um, I knew that Edward Vidaure uh, was starting his press, and I was already looking for a home for um, Dreaming with Mariposas. And then uh, I knew that Matt had gotten published and he was doing, he was doing really um, well with mowing leaves of grass. Matt said, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, and, then, and then later David also um, got published. Um, my name is Romero. Mm -hmm. And now I know that, um, that I, as, I did, no wait, I did, well, I hope I did get published with uh, Flower Song Press, but I'm thinking of Irene, not Irene, Irene, yeah, Irene Lara Silva too. So this is just a, a beautiful family and I love it. And I reached out to um, Gris Munoz from El Paso and no, I said, hey. Local icons. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I said, so I, I said, hey Gris, you know, like, um, like tell me, like, honestly, how's it going with Flower Song Press? Yeah, good. Uh, and Edward was already interested. And, yeah. I, and I kept on um, telling Matt and Edward that I had submitted to a couple places yeah. Um, but if I didn't hear anything back, then of course I was going to go for, um, for Flower Song Press. So it's been good. Nice. That's wonderful yeah. to hear. Yeah, that's really good. And I, you just made me realize too, that we've had about maybe now four, maybe five authors from Flower Song. Now that like, you're just making me realize that, um, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that speaks volumes about, about the work that they're putting out there. So, um, I wanted to ask you how much of this story is taken from your personal life? You know, I know that it's a coming of age Mm -hmm. uh, a story um, and it is written in these beautiful vignettes, kind of in the style of Sandra C. Snedos's House on Mungo, House of Mungo Street. Uh, but you know, uh, but it's also it has its own entire sensibility and its own interests and its own you know concerns. But um, how much of this was taken from your personal life? Yeah. So um, so what I do, Tim, is like these characters are like really like like three people in one. So for instance, uh, Tia Alicia is inspired by the women in my life that were suffering from domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And it was like three, like three at the time, I remember as a child. 
Yeah. And then um, some of the um, vignettes, like something that happens to Chopi, like really did happen to my sister. Right. Um, and of course, I'm not going to reveal the ending, but obviously I, I'm not right. like whatever the, the character is at, um, at the end. And, and so I think sometimes it feels like it, like it could possibly like all be my life. But yeah. I just took too many liberties to sure, call it yeah. a memoir sure. or autobiography. Um, yes. So that's what I, that's how I approached it. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. I wondered because at the very end, I won't give it away either, but you know, I wondered how much of that was based on your, you know, your own personal experience, that, that ending part of it. Um, because it would make sense. <laughs> um, but what would, oh, has your family read it? Uh, and, and if so, what do they think of it? So okay. that's interesting. They would right? recognize. They would recognize. Right? That, that, was, <laughs> that was scary because, right? Um, you know, I I'm very open, right, when it comes to discussing issues that historically, because of patriarchy and toxic masculinity, <clears throat> we've learned to perpetuate it and not um, openly talk about these issues. So. Um, like thankfully um, for my sister, um, my my family, my immediate family embraces the book. Um, I don't come from like a, a family where literacy is, um, you know, it is like I'm not gonna catch my tío reading the book, right? Um, so I, <laughs> I'm thankful about that because I don't I don't think these these tíos are gonna read it, so I haven't heard. <laughs> what what's gonna happen it's gonna happen one day right <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i know i'm still waiting for some friends of mine to see if they're ever going to pick up uh, the book i wrote 11 years ago which talks about them and they, they still haven't and i'm like okay and then yeah. i realized i can write about anybody nobody's going to read my stuff anyway so. that's <laughs> a good ever. point yeah i mean nobody you I know, know. You know, tim i think um for maybe part of my life, maybe that's part of the reason it took me 13 years, right? Is that we have this mom, like mama, like this voice in us that has told us uh, what we should and shouldn't say. Mm. And so when my mom passed, like what was there to be afraid of? Mm. You know, my mom wasn't gonna say, Sonia, no digas eso, no escribas eso. No, it's okay. like. And then, you know, I just kind of, I was like, oh, you know, like what would my mom say? You know, she wouldn't be proud, but it's okay. It's all right. It's, it's a different era and we need yeah. to open up. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, and, um, and appreciate your, 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 your vulnerability and your honesty in these stories, you know, um, which is what only adds to their level of realness or believability or, you know, um, or even uh, it helps as we read it, as your reader reads it, you know, we, we can identify with a lot of these things because it's so honest and so real, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to do. You know, what, what was the hardest part of writing this book for you? The hardest part of writing it was finishing it. <laughs> so, um, so that means that, oh, like, you know, that last, I don't know how it is for you, but that last year, or like that, you know, when you can feel it, you're, you're feeling it. Like this book is being born 
and it's kind of even difficult to finish because you you realize that that will you know it's kind of like postpartum depression mm. like what do you what are you gonna do like when you when you finish your book and and it's it's kind of sad it is sad yeah. it, you know like you're giving birth and you you gave birth like you also experienced that yourself and then what happens after yeah so that's probably the difficult part yeah, yeah. you walk mm-hmm. around with like this empty hollow feeling going what what am i supposed to be doing now right. you invested so much of your not just physical probably even le- that's the least aspect of the physical but really the mental headspace that you've walked around with these characters like family in your heart and in your mind for years before they became a book and so now like it's you're supposed to just abandon that or you know you you know you you promote the book and you're happy about that cuz you get to continue talking about it and living in it but but there is a point of once the work is done you've kind of going well what do i do today like you know Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you do so in my case um I did have that postpartum kind of like awkward feeling of like what's going on like you know like that you know that time that I treasure that I love being part of dreaming with me process is no longer here um so luckily in 2021 in March uh a, a manuscript was born and I'm calling it um the Adventures of Burrito Flying Saucer. So I, I see it as a picture book. Mm. Um, so that that happened, right? But then again, I'm a professor, so I, I need a I need it, you know, it goes to sleep, it's dormant. And but sometimes even though I'm teaching, like that feeling of finishing or writing does come to me. So mm. for instance, right now um, I'm working on finishing um pajaros de papel, uh, both paper birds, pajaros de papel, but you know, my brain right now is, is a, a mess because I, I discovered that it's a title of a film and there's a poet, like some work out there that's called uh, pajaros de papel, but I love, I love that title. So I'm thinking like of other titles and it's, it's okay, right? Like Dreaming with Mariposas is real, it's here, yeah. it's flying, it's, it's, um, it's growing. And there's other works to write. It's okay. Sure, absolutely. And and of course, you know, you have fans here at Words in a Wire, myself, and uh, you know, and it's just it, it, to me, it's you know, it's always exciting to to talk with authors who this is your debut novel, right? Is that right? That's right. Okay. It's exciting to talk with authors who are you know who who are emerging, you know, um, and have. Uh, you know, a wellspring of ideas that are, I know I can, I'm looking at you because, you know, I, our listeners don't know this, but we're on Zoom and I'm looking at you and I can see the excitement and the insp- inspiration that's within you. And I know that there's going to be, you know, some really great books to come from you um, and from, from other writers that I get to interview here. And that to me is probably one of the most exciting aspects of, of being able to have conversations with, with you in this case. Um, we, I can't believe we're like almost out of time already. That's been like, that's, it's incredible. I'm sorry. That's how, it's just crazy how fast that goes. We could keep talking. I could keep it's talking. Okay. Yeah, we could keep talking. You know, um, why don't you, can you share another excerpt with us? I think that'd be a nice way to kind of take us out. Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Tomasito. En la sala de un hospital. A las nueve cuarenta y tres. 
nació Simón. Es el verano del 56, el gran orgullo de Don Andrés. Observaron, Willy Colón, Simón, el gran varón, Tomasito. I saw him running across the lawn at school today. He wore black eyeliner like his sisters and girl cousins. His eyelids were puffy like he had just woken up and his eyelashes were long and curled upward. With half-closed eyes, Tomasito's eyes gazed like actresses in Mexican soap operas. In the morning, right before the tardy bell rang, he sprinted eloquently like a deer in pink sneakers as a hundred pair of eyes shot him down. And that is the voice of author, uh, novelist, and poet, and professor, Sonia Gutierrez. She's reading from her debut novel, Dreaming with Mariposas. It's out with Flower Song Press. Sonia, it's been a real pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to all your other books in the works and to having you back on the show when they come out. Thank you, Tim. I just want to tell you that you're very inspirational um, in the way that you approach writing your books. So you're a researcher. And, and for me, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling like that scary feeling like, will you know, uh, poetry or another book come to me, right? But there's, there's nothing scary about that. I think that's what you show us like, no, like you, you, you can research and you can uh, materialize and create another book. So yeah. thank you for that. Oh, thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And um, all right. Well, good luck with everything. Okay. Thank you so much. Likewise. We'd like to thank our special guest today, novelist, poet, and professor Sonia Gutierrez. Be sure to pick up her book, Dreaming with Mariposas. It's out with Flower Song Press. Also want to thank our in-house producer, Sam Casiano, and our podcast producers, Claudia Flores and Ileana Pichardo. That wraps it up for today's edition of Words on a Wire. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here on KTEP 88.5 FM, your NPR station for the Southwest. Thank you.